All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. It's just me for today. I'm joined by my good friend, Paul. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Um, this is an emergency podcast in the biggest of terms because uh, it's just me and Paul here. And of course, David was uh, joining us earlier, your brother, for our uh, fantasy draft, our lottery. So good to have mm-hmm. the other commissioner on the podcast. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, we wanted to go through the James Harden trade first before we get to sort of the inner workings of the trade. And we'll talk about some of the fantasy implications for category leagues and things like that. What was your sure. reaction to both James Harden's comments yesterday uh, talking about how this team isn't really built for a championship and then John Wall kind of mm-hmm. talking about the chemistry issues between him and Harden and the rest of the team. Uh, what were your overall thoughts of those comments after the Lakers game last night? Uh, th- so it was interesting. I mean, it wasn't entirely unexpected. You know, everyone's known that Harden's been, you know, not happy with the situation, disgruntled. So it wasn't unexpected. I was surprised to see him, you know, say it like that. That was surprising. Like, he was very blunt with it. Usually players a little less blunt, but I feel like he was getting to that point where he was really just, just so unhappy with the situation that he just wanted out so badly. So he just kind of said whatever he wanted to say and it kind of just snowballed from there. So it was a little surprising, but expected at the same time, if that makes sense. So a little bit of both, you know, I think it was surprising the degree, like how scathing he was, but the fact that he said something wasn't that surprising to me. Right. It, it took him a little while. I felt because like in the summer when the rumors came out and all that stuff, he was very kind of reserved about it. And then it sort of, I kind of still felt it came out of nowhere for me because I was just like, whoa, okay. And then, as you said, it snowballed in some ways. But um, do you feel like the John Wall-James Harden relationship couldn't have built? Because I thought there was potential there after the first couple of weeks. Uh, I thought there was potential in terms of their fit, but I just don't think – I just think James Harden was just so done situation that he didn't even want to entertain the possibility. So I, he most likely, yeah, I mean, there probably could have been a decent fit. It probably could have worked out a little bit, but I think James Harden just didn't, he wasn't even interested in exploring it. Uh, if he had been, I think it could have worked out better, but just his reluctance to, to do it and his whole, just him being done with the whole situation just caused him to like not even, not even entertain the idea. Really. Right. I felt that they worked well. And then of course, Christian Wood there as well. I mm-hmm. thought there was potential for them to do something even in the West where it wasn't even, Potentially, like where, but, where was, where, I mean, the West is deep, but still, I thought there was potential for them to do something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough in the in the West this year, but I, I since it's even deeper than it was last year. But yeah, I could I could see that that making an argument they could have built something. I don't know, but uh, I mean, it is what it is now. Uh, so here's the deal. So James Harden goes to the Nets. Uh, they also get a 2022 second round pick from the Cavs. The Rockets get Oladipo, Exum, and Karutz. Uh, picks mm-hmm. the Rockets, so three unprotected first-round picks and plus uh, pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. Also, mm-hmm. Cleveland's 2022 first uh, via the Bucks, and the Pacers get Levert, 2023 second, and then the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. What, are your, what was your immediate reaction to this deal? Uh, so there's a lot to unpack. So, I mean... So, I mean, like we talked about, the headliners obviously hard into the nets. That's obviously the headline of the whole thing. Uh, I mean, we, we, can, we can just start with that. I mean, it's interesting, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in Brooklyn. Um, I've always, since it, since it started, since the rumors started about all of this, of how Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn, I've been curious uh, about how the fit would be and how, how it would look with a lineup of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, right? 
those are three like ball dominant guys all need the ball in their hands. And it just, it's going to be an interesting fit how they make it work. Uh, so obviously that's the headline. Do but you feel like that, that? Do you feel like it's a complicated fit? Is that why you're a little hesitant? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I do think it's complicated because I feel like especially Kyrie and James Harden almost play a similar kind of style. Like they're both guys who, you know, they don't run a lot of pick and roll. They're mostly like isolation dribble guys who create their own offense. Right. So they're going to, you know, uh, yeah, create their, they're going to drive and they're going to drive in. They're going to shoot threes. They're going to create their own offense with the ball in their hands. They, they, they don't rely on anyone else to create their offense for them. Right. Whereas Kevin Durant's the same way, but he's not quite as ball dominant. He doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times. necessarily. like, I feel like Kyrie and, and uh, James Harden do. So when you need, when you have three players who are that ball dominant, Kevin Durant to a lesser degree, but still ball dominant, when you have three players like that and there's only one ball, I feel like it's a complicated fit, especially between Irving and, and Harden. I think that's a complicated fit. How do you think Nash is going to handle some of that ball dominance? Do you think he's going to have a difficult challenge on his hands? Yeah, I do. I think him trying to figure out kind of for first, besides just kind of trying to spread the ball, you have to figure out just the egos. So that's just one thing right there. It's just, it's just the egos, right? Mm-hmm. So we all know, we all know Kyrie is, is how he is. You know, we all know how he's kind of his own special kind of guy and he thinks his own way. And he, he truly believes he's like that guy. Like you saw the comments he made with, with LeBron, how he said that, like, you know, for the first time in my career, I have that, uh, someone else who can make like that shot talking about Kevin Durant, meaning he didn't think LeBron was that guy. So obviously he sees himself highly. He thought, he thought he was the guy in, in Cleveland when he had played with LeBron. He's obviously going to think that here too. You have Kevin Durant who has on the record said that he believes he's the best player in the world. He said that he believes he's better than LeBron James. And that was his reason for going to the Warriors, that he wanted to prove to everyone that he was better and he could win a championship. And then finally, you have James Harden, who everyone knows is a people call him selfish. I don't think he's entirely a selfish player, but I mean, when you're averaging 35 points a game, you have to be selfish to some degree. So, you know, just that kind of ego balance with all those guys is going to be interesting. Yeah. And then for the Rockets side, Oladip, or excuse me, for the for uh excuse me for yeah for the rocket side they pick up oladipo for me this is kind of the weird part of this for me it mm-hmm. felt more like they so so there's an inter- intricate balance you know in daily life and in in nba trades in particular of quality over quantity right a lot of okay. these superstar yep. trades are about uh quantity so quantity of picks the players that you receive and that's where i had a problem with this because the Rockets, but clearly Shams talked about this on, on NBA TV that he was like, oh, Ben Simmons was in trade talks for the Rockets mm-hmm. for James Harden. And I was like, okay, in that case, you're taking quantity over uh, quanti- or quantity over quality because you're just taking basically the picks and Oladipo, which isn't necessarily going to help you get over the hump. And you can make an argument that Ben Simmons might even be a better fit for the Rockets, especially in the West. So I, that's where I was like a little bit confused. Like, do the picks really matter that much when the Rockets at the beginning of the year felt they still had a title window, even if it was slim? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But I think for them, they were content to bet a little more on the future. So, you know, going with the draft picks, uh, 
getting Oladipo. So, I mean, the draft picks are the big haul here. That's that's really what they wanted. Oladipo's, you know, that's a little bit of a return, but Oladipo's not the same player he was, you know, especially with the injuries. He's he's still a, a solid player, but not how he was no, let's say two years not. ago. Absolutely not. Um, so this isn't a trade where I think they're looking to win immediately. This is a trade where, you know, it's this is kind of, maybe not a tank kind of situation, but it's definitely going to be... It's not a, a win now situation now, obviously. It's not anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how, how do Oladipo, John, John Wallet, and Christian Wood mesh? Is it is it better for you? Could they make the playoffs? I think it's interesting. I think it could make – it depends. It could make the playoffs. It's F, like, like we said, it's tough in the West. Um, but they could make a push. It, I mean, it's an interesting lineup. It's a starting lineup of John Wall, Victor Oladipo – um, Christian Wood, you're starting uh, PJ Tucker at the four, and then at the he three. He might get traded uh, too. Tucker might go true. too. Yeah, yeah. If they want to go full rebuild, they could do that. Um, and I don't even know who they're starting at the at the three. Oh, Don, Don, um, Daniel House, they're starting at the three oh, yeah. currently. Yes. Um, it's an interesting starting lineup. Uh, I don't. I think I do actually think you said that you thought Ben Simmons was a better fit. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Oladipo is somewhat of a better fit, but he's not as good of a player. He's yeah. a better fit, but not as good of a player. For them. What makes you say that? I just don't like the fit of Ben Simmons and John Wall at all. Like, I think it's a terrible fit. You have two just – they neither one of them is a shooter. They're both solid defenders, but pretty much you you just be relying on – you would have no shooters on your team at that point. You have a starting lineup with your best shooter being P.J. Tucker. Like yeah, it's it's it's, it's a not... huge transition from what they did the past few years and exactly it's, it's a total 180 from last season where their whole play style was Russell uh, Russell Westbrook and Harden and we're gonna drive and kick that's all it is we're gonna spread the floor and they're gonna drive and kick and that's pretty much it we're gonna shoot layups or threes this is a complete different style with if they were to go with John Wall and Ben Simmons it's just I just don't see John Wall and Ben Simmons working just because they're both two non-shooting guards uh with Christian Wood it was obviously a talented center but he's not like he's an amazing three-point shooter you just would have no spacing on the court you just be but it would just be kind of log jammed I feel like with Ben Simmons similar to what happened in Philly last year if you really think about it they had they had they didn't have any any shooters it was just a log jam inside so I think it'd be something like that for so, Philly I think Old Depot. Well. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I was gonna say I think Old Depot is a, just reiterating what I said before is a is a slightly better fit for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to the Sixers as well. I actually like that they didn't pull this off because there was mm-hmm. there was Tyrese Maxey who's been really good for him this year, or yeah. at least for the past couple of weeks with all the COVID issues. But like, I felt like how they started the season and how Doc Rivers has really sort of changed what they're doing and, and made Simmons and Embiid work so well. We talked about it on the show a couple yep. of weeks ago. What What is your perspective on Doc Rivers and and uh, and like how that Simmons and Embiid styles work so well where I personally felt that they didn't really need to make a James Harden deal? Uh, I agree that I don't. I didn't think they need to make a James Harden deal either. Uh, I could have made the argument actually that James Harden would have hurt them. That, that I think they should have stayed with what they have now and, and try to win like this. Uh, I think they would have become, it, I, don't think, it, I don't think it would have worked out very well uh, if they had traded for Harden just because, sure, the theory, in theory, it sounds good. You know, you trade Ben Simmons and then you still keep Joel Embiid and you have arguably the best center in the game in Joel Embiid and you have arguably the best pure perimeter player in the game in James Harden, 
right? On paper, it sounds great. But I think, I, I don't think it would have worked out as well as people think. I think the offense would have been a big mess. I would have utter confusion with Embiid and Harden. It would have been, you know, it, it just, I, I think they would have been at each other's throats. I don't think it would have worked. And I think you take a massive hit in defense. For whatever Ben Simmons lacks on the offensive end, he is an elite defender. So I think that that really helps him. They, I think them building a team around size and defense is what Philly needs. And I think this is definitely better for them right now. For, for Philly, what has impressed you about what Doc Rivers has done to make this Simmons and Bead thing work as well as it has? What has it been for you that's kind of stood out? Well, to be honest, I, I, don't, I can't put my finger on one thing. It's hard for me to just pinpoint one thing, to be honest. I think it's... I don't know if it's scheme. I don't think they're playing very differently. I think what it is, is he's just kind of given the players. It's kind of what we talk. It's that Doc Rivers effect. He's kind of just given the players that he's kind of just uplifted the players a bit. I think just the whole situation of Bruce Brown just became so bad towards the end uh, that I think Doc Rivers just given them new life. He's just, he's just, he's given Joel Embiid the confidence to be that guy. I think with, with Bruce Brown, there was always kind of, he, he, Joel Embiid was obviously that guy, but I think with Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown didn't encourage him the same way Doc Rivers does. Doc Rivers encourages him. Doc Rivers, I think, has given Joel Embiid like the belief and the confidence to take it to that next level. And I think you've seen it this year in Joel Embiid's play. Joel Embiid, I think, is playing on a different level this year than he did last year. Yeah. I think one thing for me um, mm-hmm. is the pick and roll. And we, okay. we talked about this on the show last week of like their pick and roll is like real a lot better than it looked before because mm-hmm. there like there was one play last week on that ESPN game I believe where where it was like Embiid hit a three off mm-hmm. a pick and roll like they're not going to do that they're going to mostly roll but it's impressive how they're able to do that so effectively and they weren't able to do that last year I think that thing specifically was so surprising. Well, part of that is, again, back to kind of how their offense was last year. It was just a logjam of they – were, they were starting Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Thank God right? they got rid like, of Al Horford. Just, exactly. So that's what I mean. The offense was – there was no spacing. They, there was a complete logjam there. So it, there was no – and so you can't run pick and roll. When you don't – when you can't space the court, you can't run pick and roll. It's it's you you just can't do it. It's, there's no there's not enough freedom of movement. Play, too many players are inside. It just it it doesn't work. You need to be able that's that you need to be able to space the floor and be able to work work pick and roll with two players. And I think that's what they've been able to do a lot better this year because, and, and part of that is the roster and part of that is also Doc. And I, I, but I do think is there's both parts. So part of it is our part of it is also the roster. Just when you think about the roster itself, think about again we just talked about Al Horford, right? Think about last year they were starting Al Horford. And then they were also starting, they were starting Josh Richardson. So it was Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Harris. Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Yeah. And Embiid, right? On the, in that starting lineup, you have Embiid uh-huh. and Simmons. Who, Simmons is a non-shooter. Embiid can shoot threes, but it's not his strength. He doesn't, um, he doesn't do that that often much at all. He's an inside guy too. Exactly. Well, that's and that's also that's also one of his weaknesses. When when Embiid starts to shoot too many threes, is when he starts to to mess himself up. He doesn't when go he starts inside. settling. Exactly. When he starts settling for jumpers, is is when he starts to play poorly. So he he it is good for him to mix it up. So he does take some threes, and that's good because uh, he does have the range. But it it 
he's not much of a shooter, obviously, right? And mm-hmm. then you have Al Horford, who also isn't much of a shooter. He can hit a couple threes here or there. But essentially, you have no th- real three-point threats besides you had Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris, but neither one of them is a, what, what you would call a, a knockdown shooter. Tobias Harris is a good player who, who makes threes, and Josh Richardson is the same thing, but neither one of them is, is you would consider a pure shooter. Mm-hmm. They've right? sort of eliminated the threes this year, too, in some ways. Like, they're just not really worried about it too much, and it's benefited them a lot. That's true. That is true. But I do think, like, Danny Green has actually played surprisingly well for them. It's actually This been... week, is, he's been pretty good. Like, it's been exactly. surprising. Exactly. And so, if, if, Dan- and if Danny Green is hitting shots, you know, he's hitting shots, and he's a good player. I, Danny Green just gets a lot of hate because, you know, the playoff thing, and he wasn't hitting shots. The bubble shots. was bad. Yeah, the bubble was bad. But if Danny Green's hitting shots, I mean, he's a quality player. I think Danny Green's reputation has taken a big hit because of the bubble, but I, Danny Green was never this bad. Like, if Dan, Danny Green is a quality player, so if he's hitting shots for them, he's a quality piece for Philly. It spreads the floor out more, too, again. It actually exactly. just spreads the exactly. floor. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and it's working well with playing Tobias at the, at, at the three – um, you know, and they're also adding Seth Curry was big. Seth Curry obviously hasn't played the last week because the whole COVID thing. But I feel like Seth- Max is going to take him over. Do you feel like Max is going to take him over? Because uh, Max has been so impressive lately. Lately, I could see it. I I think they may keep Seth Curry in the starting lineup just because when you have a player like Ben Simmons, your point guard look just shoots no threes at all. You you do need some shooting on the court. You do need to space the floor a bit. So and I think that's what Seth Curry will provide for them. Maxi's also, again, just another non-three-point shooter. I just think it. I think bringing Maxi off the court to run the sec off, off the bench to run the second unit would actually work a lot better for them. Yeah, I think I think it 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 would benefit them to keep Seth Curry kind of just as like a secondary shooter scorer in the starting lineup. Uh, I, before we get to the rest of this trade, we're talking about the spacing piece for for Philly. Uh, spacing has been like so important in the last like five to 10 years in the NBA. This is something mm-hmm. we've talked about before as well. What, like, how do you think it's changed or why do you think it's changed this way? Of course, with the three point shot being more important, but like compared to like 2010, 2011, when the Mavericks mm-hmm. won the title to now it's, it's a much different thing. And we, we talked about it before, uh, when we did that rewatchables a year mm-hmm. ago, but, uh, just like us as a group, but like, what, why do you think that change is so important and why is spacing the floor kind of the way to go nowadays? Just because I feel like people, uh, I mean, people always talk about the analytics, right? And when and when people kind of woke up to the fact that, hey, like the three-point shot is, it's, it's, yeah, sure, it's a lot farther, but it's worth so much more. And if you can make it at an effective clip, you score so much more. And with the game being played at such a higher pace nowadays, the more shots you can take, the higher value those shots are, and the more you can hit of them the better you're going to play. And I think that's just kind of what started happening is first the revolution started. And, and I give credit to this. And most people do give credit for this to Steph Curry. Right. Steph Curry's that guy who, who, who revolutionized this When When people saw Steph Curry in 2013 launching all these threes a game. And when that day, I don't remember if it was 2013, 2014, maybe even 2012, the year, the first year he broke the record. Kind of like 2014, uh, I would say pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. 2012 might be too early. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the year where the year that really I think did it, the one that really blew it open was I remember the previous three point record for like three threes made in the season 
was something like right under 200. It was like and that was Ray Allen, seven or something like that. That was Ray Allen, I correct? I think it was Ray Allen. I think it was Ray Allen. It was, it was, yeah, I, I believe so. And it was something around like 297, 290 something, like right under 300, right? So it kind of been like, oh, no one had ever hit 300 threes in NBA season, right? No one had ever done it. And then Steph, Steph Curry went and he hit 400. Yeah. So that was, that was, I think was the turning point. Like not only did Steph Curry break the 300 three mark, but he hit 400 threes. I think at that point where everyone was like, wow, like this guy is shooting this many threes being this effective. It kind of just, everyone started shooting threes. It, 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 it's, it's spread to everyone and not just an NBA. It's spread to every corner of the earth. Every, if you play any pickup basketball games, all play people do now is shoot threes. All anyone yeah. wants to do now is shoot I'm a, threes. I'm a, I'm a three and D guy when I play and I suck at it, but I just exactly. am. <laughs> But, but I, so everyone wants to shoot threes. Even the big men want to shoot threes now. 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, you didn't see big men shooting threes like this. Now almost every big man in the league shoots threes. It's uncommon to have someone who doesn't shoot threes. Stretch fours and stretch fives are common things now. There's exactly. No, there's exactly. No, the rebounding is kind of like gone, even though there's a lot of guys that can rebound at a pretty effective clip. But Well, yeah. that's, that, that also comes just from the pace of play. A higher pace of play it means more shots, it means more rebounds. So that's that piece isn't just that that uh, rebounding is not down because the pace of play is up. Pace of play being up leads itself to more of every stat, more points, more assists, more rebounds. It leads itself to everything. So that that that's why it's yeah maybe there's a little less size, but it's not attributing to less rebounding. Yeah, uh, and then the Pacers get Levert. The pacer Levert has been ridiculous this year, as he was last year. I think unexpected to all of us, considering all the pieces in in Brooklyn. But now he goes to the Pacers. Is he their number one option, at least in the front court, potentially? Uh, that's interesting. That I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one yet, because Brogdon has played uh, amazing this year so far. Brogdon has actually been pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a bad game today, but besides that, Brogdon has been really, really good. Um, so I, I don't know, like Brogdon has been so good. He starts to run the offense. I don't think Karras can take it over completely from Brogdon. You saw Sabonis, who Sabonis is still an elite 2010 kind of guy. He's so underrated. Exactly. He's ridiculously he underrated. Is. Yeah. No, no one really pays attention to him. He's just kind of a guy who goes under the radar, but he'll get you 20 and 10 every night. So yeah. I, like you saw some bonus there. You have Miles Turner, who's not much of an offensive piece. He's just Blocks. a defensive piece. Exactly. Blocks Jeez. for days. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And that's about, and then, and then they're starting Justin Holiday, I believe now. Currently. Yes, they so, are. Yeah. It's a far position. And he's been rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, they would be starting TJ Warren, but obviously with the whole injury thing, TJ Warren's out, but yeah, for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to add, back to your question of who's kind of the main offensive option there. I don't think too much changes, honestly, in that offense. I think, I honestly think swapping um, Oladipo and Karras was almost like for like. I don't think it actually accomplished too much. Um, I think even for fantasy value, I think it stays kind of relatively constant. I don't think Oladipo's value changes much, and I don't think Levert's value changes very much either. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they both get slight bumps, maybe, 
slightly, but um, I don't think Levert needs a bump. I think he's good where he's at, which is pretty it, consistent. I, honestly, if anything, Levert could take a hit, and that's only because I think he was so incredible this year on the Nets because he was coming off the bench. They had him come off the bench, and he was running. He had the second unit to himself, yeah. right? So that's why he was putting up. That's why he's been so incredible, and he's putting up. He's he's been putting up these stats is just the fact that he's been essentially been playing by himself in the second unit has allowed him to put up these these gaudy stat lines. So you think it could slow down a little bit? Because I little still bit. feel like it could be pretty constant. Like he might take some of a point hit here and there, but I don't yeah. think it's gonna be that bad. Yeah, I, I, he's I a versatile player to me, even with all the. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. He's definitely a versatile player. Uh, I could, yeah. I, I think maybe his point stays constant. I think actually his biggest hit maybe is assist numbers because his assist numbers have actually been pretty good. And, but I think now with Brogdon running the show in Indiana, I think his, his numbers will take a hit. I mean, do we really you, care about assists with him though? Do we really care? Like, if you have him on your team. No, 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 no. I, yeah. Do you really not care? necessarily? But I mean, if you look, if you look at Karis Levert's stats so far this year, he has been he has been putting up a good amount of assists. So from that perspective, you want to talk about from a fantasy perspective, he does take a a, a fantasy hit in yeah. terms of his assist production. But again, I don't think if you you didn't draft him for assists. Yeah, no, that's like, true. That's true. You didn't no, really fair. do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the we- the weirdest fantasy and kind of real life implications, but let's talk about the real life implications for this. Let me make a proposal to Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> let me make a proposal. <laughs> this looks stupid, but I'm going to make it anyway. Okay. Colin Sexton at, okay. at the one Garland at the two Larry Nance Jr. So I'll mix, I'll mix and match. I'm not sure exactly where. So they, so, they have an interesting lineup. It's, it's so, I don't so, even know who. So here's, yeah, here's my proposal. Start my healthy proposal starting five. Colin Sexton at the one, Garland at the two, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Nance at the three. Uh, okay. Then uh, let's go. Let's go. Kevin Love at the four and Jared Allen at the five. The biggest lineup in 2021. Cleveland Cavaliers. Is that is that a fair proposal? Uh I yes, I I could see it. You you want to bring Drummond off the bench? Oh, actually, I forgot about I forgot about no Drummond would be wait, dang, yeah, that's right. No, actually, I would I would switch out Larry Nance. So I'd move, excuse me. I would I would I would uh I would put Kevin Love at the three. Okay. And then like do do Allen and Drummond and then have Nance come off the bench because Nance is probably better off the bench. So there we go. That would be my official lineup. Is that good? I I don't I don't know what to say to be honest. I feel it's pretty crazy because as we just talked about in today's NBA, that's all about shooting, all about spacing. It's all about chucking as many threes as you can. In today's NBA, that would definitely be a unique lineup. Definitely a unique lineup. It's a and lineup I, that's that causes for twenty wins. That's it. Maybe exa- less. Exactly. I I I just don't know. It would be interesting, but I don't know how it would work in today's league. I don't know who you would guard. Like that team would be terrible defensively. If you were to play small against them, they would not be able to guard anyone. Like Kevin Love and Jared Allen and, and Andre Drummond could kind of guard perimeter players because he's that talented of a defender. But Kevin Love and and Jared Allen on the perimeter, like it, I don't know, man. Um. Also, I don't know how plausible this is, but it could be plausible if we have another mega trade. Does this mean Kevin Love's on the trade block? Because I think it means he's on the block. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I mean, I think he was kind of on the block before. He was someone, on the block before, someone, but his his contract was so massive. That that's yeah, that's the issue. That that's the big issue in trading him is, is just his 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 contract. It's for his current production for the player he is today. That contract's not worth it. It's kind of and, a, and it's and it's not feasible. Like him and mm-hmm. Blake Griffin. Yeah, I was gonna say I was feasible. I was gonna say the exact same thing. I was like, it's it's very similar, just a, a Blake Griffin situation. Yeah. Do they do they get traded for each other? <laughs> or something <laughs> like I mean it would be it would be messed up, but there's, I, there's I don't no really point know. for them to do that. But I mean uh yeah, there's no point for him to do that. But I don't I could see him being uh I don't know about Blake, maybe, but I could see Kevin Love being a trade piece to maybe a contender at the deadline. I, I could see it. Um that I don't know. I don't know, I don't have someone off the top of my head, but I don't think we have anybody because I don't know who can afford him. But my whole thing is Larry Nance has been so good. I mean, he'll probably be even better off the bench because it's kind of just him. If this is the lineup and Nance is off the bench and, you yeah. know, yeah. it would yeah. be much better. But I'd like to see him in the starting lineup, maybe even over Kevin Love. He's been that productive. So maybe this is more reason to trade Kevin Love in some yeah. respect. Maybe, maybe I could see that. I, I I definitely could see them trading him. It just have to be, it have to be for the right deal, you know. Because with that contract, it just I don't know where he would go. But I definitely think it's it's interesting. I definitely think it would be interesting to see uh, somewhere he could go. I'm trying to think of a contender who kind of needs a Kevin Love kind of player. And but who has who who's willing to trade a good chunk of cap room? That's true. That's like who's true. willing to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know, someone who has a big contract that they're willing to get rid of. I I don't know. I I'd have to look into it more. But yeah, I don't know. It feels it feel it like I the why Blake Griffin pops in my head is it feels like a John Wall, um, John Wall Westbrook thing where that was like the only feasible option because of yeah. their contracts. But even then, it doesn't really make sense for both teams. Yeah, just it just at all exactly. This, this doesn't make sense for anyone. So mm-hmm. I don't, I'm trying I'm trying to think of some kind of a team that. You know, a contending team that Phoenix, maybe a contending that is lacking some size. Who so you know, need- can we do? Can we do a Crowder deal here? Maybe. Can we do like Crowder? I mean, you'll have to put in a lot more, but Crowder hasn't been that productive. I don't mm-hmm. think Cleveland would care to have him off the bench. Mm-hmm. This opens up Cam Johnson a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still like Phoenix as an option. Yeah, that could that could be good. That that could be interesting. Yeah, but I think Chris Paul's contract is a bit rough too. Just to say that as well. Yeah, but. yeah. I don't. I, yeah, it's interesting. I think I'd have to think about it. But I definitely think Kevin Love could be an interesting trade piece at the deadline for sure. Yeah. How do you project this lineup looking like? The Cavs lineup. Yeah. Uh, so definitely Garland and Sexton, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, after that, it's it's hard to figure out. I mean, they're definitely starting Drummond, so. They're yeah, definitely, no. definitely starting Drummond. I missed I de- Drummond earlier, definitely. Yeah, and I definitely think they're going to bring Allen off the bench. I don't think they're going to start Allen. I think I don't think you can start Allen and Drummond. I I I just don't think you can start them both at the same time. To yeah. be honest, it's just it's too it's it's that's it's just way too, too much. much size. It's way too much. It's it's similar back to the whole Philly thing from last year, but even worse because at least Al Horford and Joel Embiid could like shoot a little bit, but like. Uh, Jared Allen on the German can't at all. So it's you have two players who need to both score within five feet of the bucket. And they, like, yeah, they need to be fives. They can't be fours. Exactly. In most they, cases. 
they I don't think you can start both of them at the same time. So I think Jared Allen has to come off the bench. Um, then I think assuming Kevin Love and Larry Nance are healthy, I my feeling is that they are going to start Kevin Love and bring Larry Nance off the bench. And then I'm not entirely sure. Do you know who they've been starting at the three, at the small forwards? I have no clue. I'd have to look. I'm going to look right now. I have no clue who they're starting at small forward. Yeah, I don't – I don't. I'm trying to think. I, I know they have – like, they have Seti Osman, but Osman's been coming off the bench. I know they were starting Isaac Okoro a bit, but I oh, think Oh, Okoro – isn't Okoro back? Wasn't he hurt for a bit? He may have been. I'm So, I think, so I think it would be Okoro. Yeah, I think – It would have to be Okoro. Yeah, I could see. I think they were starting. They, they definitely started him a couple games. I just don't know if they were starting him regularly. But he yeah. definitely started some games. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think it's 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 pretty solid. I mean, he's he's a young player, high pick. Need to develop him. I'm sorry for reacting so evilly here, but do you realize they have Javale McGee as well? They do have Javale. <laughs> I forgot about oh that. Oh my god! But they do have Javale McGee as Dude, well. They are so big. They have they... so many bigs. They truly do. Oh my god! This is too much. <laughs> JaVale McGee actually so yesterday Drummond didn't play and JaVale McGee actually played decently well I don't know he was baller yeah that's what JaVale, JaVale McGee has some like I don't know if you saw this he had this play yesterday where he, he like Euro stepped and had this reverse layup I was like oh my god JaVale McGee what are you doing yeah like th- this is too much like they're gonna have to trade somebody because this is actually too much like JaVale might get DMP CD'd Oh, for this. sure. I, I think now he for sure will. Yeah. Even, even, I mean, even now before the trade, he was getting with Drummond healthy, he was getting like minutes and teens. I don't know, maybe like, yeah, like 14, 15 minutes a game, somewhere around yeah. there. So, I mean, I, yeah, with this trade, I think Levert definitely takes his minutes at plus more. As there's nothing left in, in, for, Allen, in, yeah. in yeah. the rotation for McGee. There's nothing left for him. Yeah. Yeah. From from a fantasy perspective, uh, this Cavs lineup is almost like hell in a handbasket in some ways. <laughs> like. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I used you, you still know what to expect. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel weirded out because I have both of them on the same team. I have oh, both Drummond and Allen. Yeah. I have yeah. both of them. Now I'm disappointed because Allen is actually getting minutes and appeared to get some trust from from Steve Nash. Not, yeah, he was. I I I saw that as well. So he was definitely going in the right direction. He was trending in the right direction. I, I I saw what he'd been doing. He'd been playing really well. Yeah. So from a fantasy perspective, like I feel like Drummond's gonna be fine, and and I mean obviously most people don't have both of them. So let's go from that perspective. If you have let's say just Drummond or even probably worse just Allen, how do you perceive the situation? Um yeah, it it is kind of a hard situation. So like you said, if you have Drummond, I I think you're fine. Yeah. Uh but I do think he takes at least a slight bit a, a slight hit. I don't think his value stays where it is now. I do think he has to take a little bit of a hit. Uh, maybe not a lot, but I do think he takes a little bit of a hit because, as I mentioned, definitely some of those minutes that were uh, like JaVale McGee was only getting like 15 minutes a game. I think Jared Allen will definitely get more than 15 minutes a game. I hope he gets 20. I think best yeah. case scenario for him fantasy wise is he gets just 20. Mm-hmm. So, but even if you just give him 20 minutes a game, I'm, that's definitely cutting into into Drummond's Drummond. playtime. Um, sure. And so I think that has an effect on Drummond. It's some, it's somewhat similar to what happened last year 
when um Drummond got moved to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When he was traded from Detroit to Cleveland and they had Tristan Thompson. So yeah. they at before the trade, Tristan Thompson had been starting, and then the trade happened, Drummond became the starter, and Tristan Thompson was backing him up. But Tristan actually played pretty well last year. And so even once he was a backup, Tristan Thompson was actually getting a good good amount of minutes last year. And he was he honestly was cutting into Drummond's uh, minutes a bit. And it was Drummond didn't take a big hit, but it was a little bit frustrating. It, I had him last year in fantasy. And- I had him last year too. I was okay with him because I literally just got him for boards last year, and he was yeah. pretty productive there. I yeah. wasn't really, I didn't really care. Like obviously, I wanted him to get like twenty and ten, but yeah. I was fine with the twenty and ten baseline for yeah. the entire year. Yeah, I mean, he 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 took a hit. It was just a little bit frustrating. Like he'd have games where. Uh, I mean, I think his average, I think his average was probably around like 16, like 16 and 16 or something like that. That's like, that's kind of where he hovered around where he was like in Detroit. I think that went down to maybe like 12 and 14 in Cleveland, something like that. Right. So it's, it's a hit. It's not much of a hit, but it's, it's a hit hit. regardless. Um, Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I still think he's probably like somewhere around a 15 and 15 guy even now. Um, but it's, it's going to be an interesting, interesting situation to monitor for sure. Yeah. If um, you have just Allen, are you in panic mode right now? A little bit. Yeah. I think, I think I am. If I have Allen, I think I'm in a little bit of a panic mode. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think maybe now you try to go into a sell high mode, but it, it's, it's hard now because of the trade, because he's on Cleveland and everyone knows he's going to get less minutes and he's a backup. I think it's hard to trade him now. But I think you kind of may have to take that opportunity and, and try to sell him, try to sell him on. Maybe you can sell him on his on his previous production. If you look at what he's done to this point, it's it's amazing. So maybe you can sell him just on what he's done to this point. Um, but yeah. I do think it's a little concerning if you have just Allen. If like in your case, you have Drummond and Allen, I think that case you're a little bit safer. I think but, I'm I think I'm okay because I literally just have them for boards. I do have Allen for blocks. So I wonder how much of a hit he'll take there. Mm-hmm. But if he comes off the bench, he can still get the two blocks a game that I would. Yeah, play he still can. Back. And I mean, and, and Drummond's still a solid block guy. Drummond Drummond's mm-hmm. amazing for stocks for both stocks, steals and blocks. So yeah, so I'm not I I'm not terribly concerned. It shouldn't go completely off haywire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you have just Allen, like I don't even. It depends what you need, but. Yeah. To lose that production, I mean, obviously boards are pretty easy to find on the waiver wire. Guys like mm-hmm. Ennis Cantor are are prime examples of that. But yep. but like you, if you get him, if you have him for for, I mean, if you have him for blocks, you might be okay. But again, like the numbers are going to go down. So if he's like your, yep. even if he's like your secondary guy, just having him is going to be pretty rough. And I think yeah. it's going to be almost impossible to sell him. Uh, even yeah. in the worst of leagues, I think it's going to be extremely tough. You're going to have to, you're going to, if you want to get rid of them, you're going to get rid of them for a lot less value. You're not even going to be able to get a buy low guy unless you make a pretty expensive package. That's true. And I, but I think if you are, to, if you were going to do that, you have to do it now. I think the, the more games he plays in Cleveland, it, the more the value is going to go down. So I think now is at the highest he's going to be until okay. he starts to drop. Because right now, even though he's been traded, no one's seen him play in Cleveland yet, right? Yeah. There's still uncertainty. Like, no one's actually seen it. No, He hasn't been on the court yet. So no one knows what it's going to look like yet. Hmm. So once he starts playing, though, I do think his stats are going to take a hit, and it's going to be harder and harder to trade him. 
Who who's the better option right now, Enos Cantor or Jared Allen in fantasy? Oh, that's in, that's actually a very interesting question. Because that's what I'm trying to think about. It's like is bringing Cantor in actually more is actually better. I I think Cantor could be better, but it it remains to be seen. I I don't think you can determine that now. I don't think I um, I, I don't only think because I don't think it's, I think that I think Cantor's had a great start to the season only because Nurkic has been so slow to get started. Yeah. Um, I think I think Nurkic has played really poorly, and I don't think he'll play the. Yeah. Has boosted Cantor's value for now. Uh, re re say that again. Sorry, my internet was like tripped out. Okay. Uh, what were you That's saying no, again? No problem. Uh, where was I? Do you remember? We're talking. We're time, we're, no, we're talking about like Cantor. Like, who's probably the better option? So just kind of rephrase what you said there. So like. Do do you basically? I guess my question is: Do you feel like? Hang on, we have we have some small connection. We have some small connection issues for some reason. All right, we're back. We had some small connection issues. So we're talking about like the better option, Cantor or or him. Like uh, you're right. I think even with with uh, with Nurkic, because he's not going to be this rocky the whole year. Exactly. So, so I think this is. I think it's hard to determine who's going to be better right now, uh, Allen or Cantor, just because uh, it is uncertain what's going to happen in Cleveland with Allen. It's you know we we really don't know. And then, it, but I do think if if, if here, here's what I'll say: if Cantor keeps up what he's doing now the rest of the year, I think Cantor is the better option if he keeps this up. But it's but, not likely. Exactly. That's the point I was going to get to that. I think Cantor has been so good to this point because Nurkic has been so slow. Yeah. And and he's not going to be this slow the whole year. You didn't draft him expecting him to be this slow, but he's just not going to be like that. Yeah. And part of that's also, if you look at Nurkic's minutes, he also just hasn't been getting the minutes. Nurkic, I think, is averaging something around 25 minutes a game. Like, is that like out coming out of injury kind of, or why is that the case? I think so. I've been reading, I read a little bit about it. So uh, I don't know the full situation, but I do know he had some foul trouble issues earlier in the season. So he was, he was getting a lot of foul trouble. I don't know if that's, you know, he's just kind of working his way back into game shape or, or what it is. I'm, I'm not sure, but he was having a lot of problems with foul trouble. And then another piece of it was that just in the first, we've only played about 10 games a season so far. Um, just in these first 10 games, uh, the Blazers have actually been a lot of blowouts. They've actually been involved in a lot of blowouts where they've either been blown out and been blown out both ways. Yeah. So, and that will always decrease the minutes of the starters. So, yeah. um, you know, Dame and CJ have been fine because, you know, they had still... one bad game the first game of the year, but other than that, exactly. And then, and then CJ has been incredible. CJ has been amazing. Like, oh my God, have you seen what CJ has yeah. been doing? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so they've been they've been fine, but I think Nurkic has been slow to start. I think he's just trying to work his way back. He was incredible in the bubble after everyone thought he was going to be slow there. Everyone thought he was going to be slow in the bubble since he hadn't played in yeah. a year and a half. But it was but, also like the energy was different there because Portland was trying to make that yeah yeah that, exactly, that, uh, exactly qualifier game or whatever. Um, is Allen going to be droppable at any point in the year? Do you think that? I I think that's a bit too far. I yes, I agree. It may be a bit too far, but I would not be surprised to see it. To be honest, yeah, I, no, me neither. Uh, I I don't know if it will be the case, but I don't think it would be surprising. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I don't think his baseline will dip that much mm-hmm. that he'll yeah. be droppable. Yeah, I, I could it, see it. 
but it could dip. It, I mean, it's going to dip, but I don't. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Mm-hmm. He could be, he could be, it, it's going to be just interesting to see. I just, I just don't know what's going to happen with that kind of roster that Cleveland has and all those bigs that they have. I just don't know who gets the minutes, who gets the opportunities. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out just because mm-hmm. there's so much, I just, I don't, I don't know what I would do for roster like that. It's just, it's so, so you, crazy I, how many bigs they have. I trade. I don't know what I'm, yeah, it's going to take them a while. I think I don't, I just don't even know. Long-term future for Cleveland. Is it good or is it bad? Because does this mean, okay, Drummond leaves next year and Allen's your guy, and then you have Larry Nance. Is this actually good for Cleveland's future? Not this year, but moving forward? Robert, you're cutting off a bit. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh. No, I can hear you just fine. Okay. You're cutting uh, off a bit. What were you saying? So uh, long, long-term future for Cleveland. Is this actually good if they can keep Allen, maybe lose Drummond? Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think Drummond, I mean, Allen is a solid, is a, you know, a solid, talented young center. So I, I do, I do think that this could be good for them, especially since I think Drummond's approaching 30. Uh, I, I love Drummond. He's a great player, but his game doesn't lend itself great to age. I think as he ages, I think Drummond will decline pretty rapidly. Once he loses that athleticism, he won't be able to rebound at the same rate. He won't be able to play defense like he does. And those are his main calling cards. So I think I think long-term, this could play out pretty well for, for um, Cleveland. I think what Cleveland's doing is, I think what they see is they, they think that they have their guards of the future. They kind of well, see... Well, they do. Sexton and Garland have been ridiculous this year. Exactly. They kind of see Sexton and Garland kind of as their, like, we just talked about them, as their Damon CJ. That's yeah. kind of what they see, right? They see... Maybe not as good. I mean, obviously not at this point, but even long term, maybe not as good. But that's kind of how they see them. And then I think what they're trying to figure out, they're just trying to figure out who do they want to compliment them. So that's why they're trading for all these bigs. Like that's why they traded for Andre Drummond. They traded for Jared Allen now. They're just trying to see how can they best compliment these two like star guards that they have. Um, and then for the Nets side, fantasy value for the Nets, they all take a dip pretty much. But is 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 Harden a top five fantasy player still? I don't believe top five. Top five, I think, is too high. I I think top ten to top fifteen. I think I think he could be top ten still. If 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 Kyrie isn't playing, he's definitely top ten. Could maybe even push top five. Um, with all three of them, top ten, he could even drop top fifteen. Uh, with Kyrie, what are you doing with him right now? Um, are you trading him? Are you trading Harden? Oh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Are you, yeah. Uh, with Kyrie? Yeah, yeah with Kyrie, like, are, are are you trading him on your fantasy team? Same with Harden. Are you looking at trade options for both of them with what Kyrie's going on here? And I've, I've advocated a trade from Harden from the opening bell of the season if you have him. Uh, I know you yeah. have Kyrie in our league. Are yeah, you I do. Looking at some options, I guess. Um, or would you? Maybe. I think it's interesting. I, I don't. I don't. I. I am. I'm torn, to be honest. So I think I. I don't know what to believe about Kyrie. I just. I don't know when he'll play. I don't. I don't know I don't, what's happening. He might retire. <laughs> I, yeah, Stephen A. Smith was saying that. Um, I feel like he should. I feel like he doesn't really know. I, that might be what what's gonna happen. Like if he retires and you got Harden, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't I don't I don't know what to make of it. But it's it's so tearing because I think I think when Kyrie plays, he 
really is an incredible fantasy player. Oh, he's ridiculous. Yeah, but I think he's just he just never plays. Like not even like before it was always injuries. Last year he was injured all year, but like then now he just doesn't want to play. Or so, per, whatever personal thing, COVID thing, whatever. That yeah, is. yeah. I mean, and it's 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 just because he has so much going on. Kyrie's just such a unique guy. He just you don't you don't know what he's thinking, and I think that's why he's so unpredictable. And and and, and obviously, unpredictability isn't good for fantasy or real uh, life in this case. Yeah, or real life. Um, so yeah, to answer your original question, I think you can look into trades, but for just. Be careful, because I think that for these players right now, Kyrie and Harden, we're at a moment right now where there's a lot of panic around both of them, right? Yeah. Like, if Kyrie does a lot of panic because of this whole he's not playing, he doesn't care about basketball, all this, right? Mm-hmm. And then with Harden, the panic is, you know, just the fact that how what's this fit going to look like? There's the whole out of shape thing, but I don't think that is too much of, of a thing. I think I think he was just out of shape just because he didn't want to play for for Houston. He just yeah. did everything he could to get out of Houston. He's like, I'm gonna be out of shape. I'm just, I'm just not gonna do anything. I, he just <laughs> I'm gonna give no effort and I'm hope yeah. they trade me. That was pretty uh, much what they were. Uh, Christian Woods fantasy value is this a plus for him? Uh, yeah, I think it's a plus for him. I think it's, I I think he I I already think he was. I mean, his, even his value of Harden was still incredible. He was yeah. still he was undervalued in drafts. Yes, majorly. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, but I think that was just a piece of I. I knew that Christian Wood could be this kind of guy. I because I I picked him up last year when he did the whole the, you know when he broke out last year. Yeah. When he got trade when Drummond got trade and he broke out on Detroit. I had him and he he was like after that Drummond trade he was arguably like a second round value player last year he's a so, second round guy this year too. yeah exactly exactly i so i knew he could do this i think there was just he was just drafted so low just because no one had seen it no one had seen him with Harden. just didn't know how that would fit um and especially on houston the team that last year completely like shunned bigs like like you know that's wh- why it was a good fit in hindsight yeah 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 in hindsight that's why it was a good fit but i mean Again, like no one really knew what to expect of Christian Wood. So everyone knew he could break out like this and he could have this kind of season, but he was just going, he, he was going like average, like fifth round in, in, oh no, sixth round kind of, I think was in fantasy, was his ADP somewhere around there. It was like 50, 60. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's about like the turn of the, of the fifth, sixth round. Yeah. Because the fifth round is the 40s and the sixth round is the 50s. So it's, yeah. it's around there, like around around fifth round, fourth, fifth, sixth round value mm-hmm. range where he was getting picked. But I, again, that was only, I think, just because of the uncertainty. It's There's always like that with players. There's always players who people who could put up like first, second, third round value, but just because of the uncertainty around them, they're just always picked lower. There's, that, that's always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I do have one more question before or before this last question. But uh, John Wall, last last kind of a fantasy player talking about John Wall. Are you worried about his value, or, or are you kind of set with him because his value is really weird? I think. Yeah, me. I think he is weird. I, honestly, I think John Wall could could take a bump here because I think getting rid of Harden, yeah, he's gonna be replaced with Oladipo. But I think getting rid of Harden will you know will open up John Wall a bit I think I think just that team is going to work a lot better now just because I think they were just having major issues with Harden just you know you you heard what Boogie said today for example like the disrespect started way before so I think they just didn't get along at all 
So even from training, he Boogie mentioned that. He mentioned that ever since training camp, there's been this disrespect, right? Yeah. So I think just getting rid of Harden will kind of like clear the air. Everyone will feel better. And then like even the fit of having Oladipo there with John Wall will be a little bit better of a fit. It'll help Christian Wood a little bit. He'll be, you know, a little bit more of the ball for Christian Wood too. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think it kind of more or less helps everyone in, um, in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just uh, yeah, even Oladipo could help him a bit as well too. I think even Oladipo takes a bit of a bump from his right. We Indiana about, value. Like yeah. he could be very similar. Could take a bit of a bump. Yeah. So I think yeah, more or less kind of it's kind of everyone in Brooklyn kind of takes a bit of a hit, while everyone in Houston kind of takes a bit of a bump. Yeah, and then and then like with Cleveland, we don't know what to think. Yeah, Cleveland, mm-hmm. we don't really know. And then the last piece was Karis to uh, Indiana, which I kind of like. I'm not too worried about that in terms of value. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Before you go, let's do fantasy biggest surprises and biggest disappointments. Who's on your surprise and disappointment list? Um, okay, that's interesting. Let me kind of think about that. So I have a well, this is not even a surprise because I, I it is a surprise for one specific category. Okay. My guy Julius Randle, he's oh, okay. actually getting like seven assists a game. Mm-hmm. What yeah. the heck? I was not expecting him to get point guard level assists. Like, yeah, I know level assists. I know, I know, I know. I, I've if that okay, that's a good one. That definitely surprised me as well. I, I've always liked Julius Randle, but I just kind of I thought he was just like a 2010 guy who. Like that's what he did last year. He was he was a solid twenty ten guy. That's why I liked him a not, lot last not year. Not very many stocks, couple threes, but mostly just like a an efficient 20, 20, 2010 guy, right? Mm-hmm. But this year he's he's totally expanded his game. Like he's shooting more threes now. He's passing more. So Julius Randle for sure. That one's been a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, another one for me. We mentioned him is is CJ. CJ for me has been. I, I don't even know. CJ for me has been incredible. Like, I was not expecting this out of CJ at all. Like, not at all. Is like, it like I, the points and threes production for him? Or like, what specifically about his production? His, he's actually putting it full stat lines now. So, CJ's always been really good for uh, points and threes, like you said. He's always been a guy who averaged 22, 23 points a game, good threes. But he's never been kind of like that peripherals guy. He's always, if you look at his previous stats... He's never averaged very many rebounds. He's not a very good passer, not very many stocks. But this year, if you look at his stats, he's he's, he's upped his uh, of rebounds and assists. I think he's getting a little bit more stocks as well. He's scoring at an elite clip. I think he. I don't think he's averaging more than than Dame, but it's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, his so, stocks, to be clear, is is steals and blocks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Stocks, stocks. There you go. Yeah. Just combining the we call steals, we blocks, call it stocks, stocks. Yep. and it's it's really important for fantasy. Um, another surprise for me gotta be Miles Turner. The blocks yep. right for him. Yep. yep. I mean, I would have drafted him so much higher, knowing mm-hmm. that, that like he's getting eight and then four and then six and then four and, and, then, and then five. And it's then... like it's like wait what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you did you see a stat line last night? He got like eight blocks last night. It was insane. Uh, eight blocks was a couple of games ago, but last night Miles Turner had I think 22, 22 and twelve with two steals and five blocks. God, my God, <laughs> he's single-handedly carrying you in the block category. Yeah. There's like no one in the NBA right now or in fantasy that 
does that block rate nobody yeah yeah uh, yeah i know it's actually been pretty crazy his block rate this year so that's mm-hmm. definitely been a surprise i mean everyone knew miles turner was a blocks guy he always has been but just the rate of his blocks this year yeah that has been surprising mm-hmm. i agree mm-hmm. who else maybe from like your team or some some a player that surprised you um i don't think this is a surprise but i want to give a shout out i saw this one coming but i just want to give a shout out to my guy zach levine yeah geez I mean, uh, he's the only, he's like their only offensive guy though, to be fair. I mean, this, this Kobe, Kobe White now too, but I guess I, 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 it's this guy for me. That's kind of where I was thinking about drafting him is more yeah. of like ba- a base assist guy. Maybe, but I, I mean, I saw this coming with Zach. I, I, I thought under Billy Donovan, that offense was going to work so much better. I thought, I thought they were so stagnant last year under Jim Boylan. I would watch. Oh my someone God. Else. It was horrible. Exactly. And it I think, was and, horrible. and oh I God. thought under Jim, uh, under, uh, under Billy Donovan, Donovan, they were gonna they were gonna play much quicker much faster they were gonna and that's it, exactly what's happened and I, I i really thought it was gonna be really good for zach's fantasy value mm-hmm. so i mean i i this i kind of saw this coming but i did not expect him to blow up like this like zach has actually blown up to like even more than i expected him to to be honest mm-hmm. he's actually i kind of expect him to be like a fourth round value guy he's putting mm-hmm. up like like second like almost mid to early second round value right now you drafted him in our league and i related him to when we picked when you picked Devin booker in our league last mm-hmm. year that you and i did i was like it's overvalued but at the same time it makes sense because he's kind of their only offensive guy and then another guy too on the bulls larry Markin, and he was a horrible bust last year last season, like he yeah. was droppable bust level mm-hmm. yeah and he's He's doing well. I mean, he's doing the production that you actually want him to have. Yeah, it, it, I mean, in, in the games he's played, he hasn't played in over a week now because of the he's he's the uh, health and safety. Program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but when he played, yeah, he does some good games. He also had some clunkers, so he's been kind of inconsistent, Mark. In, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, a little bit better than last year, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have a okay bus. Let's see. So in terms of bust, I have a few. Uh, okay. Both of the Kings centers. Okay. So, okay. so especially Hassan Whiteside. We, oh, yeah. We, last year, he honestly, I don't, I still don't get why it would make sense for Sacramento or, or for Hassan Whiteside to go, to go there for two mm-hmm. million bucks because it's not like he was going to get any time. Yeah, with, with Holmes and we and Holmes was producing at a ridiculous clip last year, pretty much mm-hmm. first round value, I think, by the end of the year. But I was like, this this doesn't make any sense. And Whiteside's not that great of a player; it's just yeah. what it is. But he was he was rebounding like crazy, and now like both of their values to me now. Obviously, Holmes is, is starting to look better with Whiteside getting DNP'd. I just need Whiteside to get traded, so I can have yeah. full full confidence in what they're doing there in Sacramento. Like, honestly, Sacramento has been bad this year because honestly, Luke Walton sucks as a coach. I tried to avoid Sacramento Kings players, even De'Aaron yeah. Fox, who I love, but I avoided him this year, mm-hmm. even though I was trying to trade him, trade, uh, get, get him back from me. But like, I avoided him this year. Cause I was like, I just hate how Luke Walton coaches this team, not only yeah. in real life, yeah. but for fantasy value, it's brutal. No, it, I mean, that's definitely a fair point. I mean, I, I was a big believer in De'Aaron this year. Uh, just because I thought he would ball out after the contract they gave him. Mm-hmm. I thought they gave him the contract in the offseason. I thought he would ball out this year to kind of merit the contract. Um, so I'm, I'm a big – I still am a big De'Aaron Fox believer, um, but I agree with you that outside of De'Aaron Fox, I don't like them for fantasy very much. 
Uh, I don't like Buddy Healed. Um, he only gives you three. If you need exactly. threes, get him. If you don't, whatever. Exactly. Like, the, and there's no one else really on that team. Like Bagley's been a drop. Um, Bagley's been a bust, is what he's yeah. been. Like legit, he's on the bust territory. He should not mm-hmm. have been this bad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, he's been a bust, like fancy bust, but he's an actual. He's actually been a real life bust. So far, he was a third overall, oh, second overall pick. Yeah, yeah. second overall. Um, he needs so, yeah. to get traded too, but I don't know if they're gonna move him. Yeah, I don't know. He needs a change of scenery. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other fantasy busts. I'm trying to think. Um, um, well, can that... I, can I say a bust team? Sure. Atlanta Hawks. I I know I know you don't like Atlanta. Like Atlanta. Okay, Trey Young like hasn't even produced at a like a like he's been great, but mm-hmm. he's not necessarily producing at the fantasy level, particularly from the three point line that you would want. Yeah. Gallo has actually surprisingly been a drop. Well, just because Gallo hasn't played, he, he he got he played like two games and then got injured. And even right. the two games he played, he was he was okay. And so yeah, um, that's the only thing. I, I I think I think for Atlanta, we still have to wait until they're fully healthy and see them play a little bit before we we, we know kind of we how. We needed that now. We didn't need that halfway through the fantasy year. Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, they could get healthy soon. Like Gallo could come back soon. Um, but the problem is that now they have Bogdanovich out too. So it's not really like you're going to be seeing the full team and how yeah. they're performing. Like, how do what do you do with Hunter and all those young guys there? Even yeah. Collins, that that's not meshing very well right now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, is there one other specific one for you? Is that kind of the, um, the main oh, ones? There's a, another one that's interesting. Is, is Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday's been been kind of. He had a nice stat line today, and I think his best fantasy game. Yeah, he today, definitely. Had, other he than he had his best game today, but if you look at his other stat lines, he's still giving you that like elite assist, uh, not assist, that elite steals production, uh, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's his calling card. That's that's Juice Holiday's calling card is is that mm-hmm. is that is those steals, um, but besides that, his you know his rebounds and assists are still okay. Slight hits from last year, but as still expected, okay. though. I thought yeah, we as, as expected. But then then his his points have taken a bigger hit than I expected. I did not take expect him to take this big of a hit in his scoring. Obviously, it was expected to some degree, you know, playing with Giannis and Middleton, but I didn't expect him to take this much of a hit in his scoring. Mm-hmm. So that's been a little bit disappointing, but I don't think it's a massive disappointment only because He's been so good for steals that I think it makes up for it a bit, mm-hmm. but it is it is a little bit. I think I think when you drafted Drew Holiday, you draft him as kind of like a a cornerstone roster piece, and he's kind of just been a a nice piece who gets a lot of steals. You know, he hasn't been kind of that cornerstone guy that you draft mm-hmm. him to be. Yeah, um, and uh, I guess a couple surprises. Um, Lamelo Ball's been a surprise. He had a pretty bad stat line today. Yeah, but he kind of reminds me a lot of Lonzo from a fantasy perspective because you draft him expecting assists, mm-hmm. and we're sort of seeing that now. You had your concerns about the Hornets roster. Talk about some of your concerns with that complete roster, and uh, from a fantasy perspective, because it is a strange roster from that. Yeah, point. it definitely is a strange roster. So, um, they they just they have a lot of guards right so they have they have Devonte graham they have terzier they have lamello ball so right there those are those are three those are three you know terzier is i guess kind of a shooting guard he's but... been a surprise this year he's actually producing in a nice clip yeah, for he, what he's, he's doing he, he is gordon hayward actually let's talk about gordon hayward has actually been producing 
really well as well. Yeah. He's, Gordon- he's, he's actually hit his value. Like the expected value of him mm-hmm. not being in Boston with all those other guys there, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Yeah. We, the going to Charlotte was fantastic for his fantasy value because he hit his mark. Well, yeah, because he's actually like he's the guy there. Obviously, in Boston, he wasn't he wasn't the guy, but now in in, in Charlotte, he is, and he's 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 kind of looked kind of like his Utah for him. To be honest, he's he, he's looked good. Maybe not quite the player he was in Utah. No, but, not with the injury that he had. But like he's he's kind of in that in that he's approaching that kind of level. He's he's close. He's playing at almost an all star level right now. Make an all star team. And he could, yeah, for he sure, could. for sure. He could, yeah. So, and then of course we talked about PJ Washington last week. I think, um, yeah, yeah, like we you've concerned, like he's definitely bounced back. But like the overall base of the roster, as you said, so go ahead and so, continue with that. So they have all those guards, like I mentioned, Bridges. Then uh, they also have Bridges. They have, uh, they have Hayward, like we mentioned, and then they have Washington. Washington. And then they, they don't really have many bigs. They're next. They're, they were starting Cody Zeller to start the year, but he got injured. Bismack. Yeah, so Busy. now they're, they're starting Bismack, Bismack Biombo, but really they're, they're, they're actually playing pretty small. So, and that, that's interesting because they're kind of playing a lineup where they're playing three guards. So they're playing Graham, Rozier, and Ball along that's with kind of disgusting. Yeah. And then they're playing Washington and, um, and Hayward. So, yeah, Hayward and Washington. Um, it's interesting. I think, I think what they need to do eventually is I, think they need to bring uh, Devontae off the bench. I think they need to move him to the bench. He uh, should be. Again, he'd be much better for a fantasy perspective because all he's really doing is assists. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think what needs to happen is they need to move LaMelo Ball into the starting lineup and then Graham come off the bench. And I think I think that would be pretty interesting. So, and then, then you start you start Hayward at the three. And then, then it's interesting what you do after that. You start Washington. Washington, you start at the four. And then I guess you start Cody Zeller when he gets back. Yikes. They really needed center help and they didn't get it. Yeah, because I think I think their idea was that they want to play kind of small. Cause they've I I've I've seen uh their coach Boriega. He's talked a lot about how he likes playing with pace, how he likes playing small, all these things. And he's talked a lot about PJ Washington playing center for him, which you know that that's interesting. But do you know be how nice ta- for fantasy value. Yeah, but do you, do you know how tall PJ Washington is? What is he like six nine or something? Six he's six six. Oh, that's that's too small. Yeah, exactly. That's way too small. Oh my god. I think he, he may be six seven tops. Like I yeah. definitely don't think he's taller than than. Oh than my a, god! What? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. It's PJ Washington. Just Paul Washington six, Jr. is called yep. on Josh Lloyd's fantasy podcast. Six seven. Yep. Six seven. Ew, I, oh my god. Yeah. So, so, so this is the interesting thing about about their head coach in, in Boria. Like this is what we saw last year with Charlotte, where it's like it's all about pace. This team is so young. We're going to just go, go, go. And yeah, they were yeah. fun to watch in real life too, because of that pace. So I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense, but it also kind of says like, all right, yeah, we're not going to be competitive. We're just going to be fast and shoot and get assists. Yeah. But, I, yeah. They, they honestly have not played that terribly, but 
they 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 couldn't contend. They they've been. I don't think they're a terrible team. I think they're kind of a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team. They're what they were last year. They're just fun. <laughs> they're just exactly. fun to put on league tests. And then yeah, exactly. But I think they could maybe make a push at like an end, like an like a like an eight seed, like an yeah, end like of, like a qualifier seed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like one of those end spots. I think they could make a run because I, I don't think they're bad. They're just they're just not built to contend like seriously. But they mm-hmm. are like you mentioned. They play fast. They play exciting. Um, so, I mean, I do think they have, they have talent. So th- there is some merit to them. They, they mm-hmm. are, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that I don't think they have a team built to really contend. They don't have a serious, a team that can, you know, that can really make some kind of a dent. Uh, and then to another rookie, uh, James Wiseman, his fancy production mm-hmm. way above his ADP. He's going to faint. What was his ADP? 106. Something he's going to yeah. finish way higher than that. He's, He's blown the roof off. Yeah, yeah. He it has been interesting with him because he he's not really getting the minutes. If you look at his minutes, they're not very high. Like Steve Kerr is barely playing him twenty minutes a game, not even, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if you look at his 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 production in those limited minutes, it's actually been pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So I think if if they even start to give him a little bit more run later in the season, he could be even better. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They're just, they're just, they're not fully unleashing him. Like if I, like if, if we see how many minutes a game he's playing, I think he's definitely like somewhere around like the 20 minute, like Mark, somewhere around there. Yeah. Right. Yes. I would imagine so. Yeah. So I, I think if they like fully unleash him and actually, you know, play him like 30. Yeah. Like he could actually put up some, some, some serious stat lines. Mm-hmm. So like right now I, I'm seeing right now, he's averaging 20, 20.6 minutes a game. So almost exactly 20 minutes a game. That's crazy. So and and if so if they up him to if he if he gets somewhere close to he doesn't have to get thirty but if they twenty seven yeah they have some some something that something like like at least twenty five approaching like mid twenties he could have some serious value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe fantasy MVP front runner a guy that I didn't believe in because he started he started last year terribly Nikola Jokic are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, Jokic has been – he's been incredible, Jokic, so far. So, Should I he th- have been the number one overall pick? Like, dang, maybe, or at least top four. Like, I mean, I I, I took – I took I, – I was not – like, he was ranked number two ADP mm-hmm. on ESPN, and I'm starting to wonder if that was accurate because I thought I was silly. Yeah, I think – so I think with Jokic, kind of like his main fantasy crutch has always been his scoring. He's always been that guy who – you know he's gonna give he's gonna rebound for you. He's gonna give you amazing assists out of the center spot too, which is what makes his value, what makes him so valuable is the fact that he's giving you all these assists out of the center spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but his stocks have never been incredible. His points aren't incredible. So I think that's kind of what has always weighed Jokic down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year he's kind of, he had like you said he hasn't gone off that slow start he always gets to. He's yeah. he's just he's just come out of the gate just so much faster, and I think part of that just has just has to do with so what he always does what has always been the case he always kind of comes into the season a little out of shape. That's just yeah. I don't know. He was I in shape in the bubble. Like, exactly, uh, and and he actually is now too. If you look at him now, he's actually kind of the same. He's not he hasn't put on uh, weight again. So yeah, um, I think that's a big thing for for him is. Um, 
he just wasn't in game shape last year and it took him a long time to work into it. it took him about a month and then uh and then he was and he was fine and the same thing happened two seasons ago too this has happened with Jokic for the past i think two or three seasons he gets off to his like yearly slow start he's like a for the first month of the season he's kind of brutal and then he like is a first round value the rest of the season right mm-hmm. Um, this year he's just not doing that I think that's what's surprising people the most is just that he's not having that early slump like he's Mm -hmm. like he's done in the past a couple more guys I've thought about fantasy wise I do want to get your opinion on another Denver guy Jamal Murray he's kind of been inconsistent yeah and I expected him to be inconsistent like I did I wasn't expecting bubble Murray like a lot of the ADPs were bubble Murray and I was like Mm -hmm. there's no way that that's a valuable ADP at all. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think it proved to be right so far this year. I, I completely agree with you. So I have, I've never been the biggest Jamal Murray fan for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, he was, he was okay. But I've never been the biggest fan of his for fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happened with him is like you said, so he had that amazing bubble run. Especially, especially in the playoffs, he was incredible, right? Mm-hmm. And I think everyone saw that, and that that caused his ADP to just balloon the way it did. What was his ADP? 26, 25? I don't know exactly. I don't know if it was that high. It, it might have been it, like 34. It may, have been, it may have been in the 30s, but um, I still think it's higher than, than he deserved. So yeah. um, I, don't know. I, I kind of expected that with Jamal Murray. I think if you expected Murray to be, you know, bubble murray then i think he's a disappointment but if you were we expecting that really like if you drafted him you weren't expecting that i mean are you kidding i don't know i, I don't i don't i wasn't but i don't I know wasn't at all some people may have i don't know yeah uh, adp so of course average draft position that's like we're talking about actually why adp is important because this is something i've tried to emphasize not only for fantasy basketball but for fantasy football as well why is adp so valuable um i mean it's all it's it's valuable just because it's it's an interesting metric to use to compare so like when you draft a player you draft them you know fantasy in general is all speculation we're all just speculating on what we think players will do and we're trying like to that. get breakout guys to win yeah, our league and stuff like exactly. that. we're kind of just guessing to, we're just guessing like who's who's gonna play well and who's not right mm-hmm. so when when we're drafting players obviously it's all speculation uh, from us and the experts as well, all the experts, they're all just speculating just like us too. So when, when, is, when is ADP, that's just kind of the average place people are taking players. It's kind of what most people are speculating them to go. But yeah. a lot of players, you know, they either overperform their ADP or they underperform. And I think it's just important because if you get a guy who is much more valuable than his ADP, that's how you win fantasy leagues. Like you yeah. take a guys who you take guys who outperform their ADPs and, and that's how you win. You win by that. And that's kind of why it's so important because it's yeah. just, it's just, you gain those high value guys for low prices is essentially the idea. Right. Right. Uh, and then uh, I don't know if you had a specific player that you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to, but Luca's also gone to a bit of a rough start fantasy wise. What yeah. do you make of that? Cause his, so, he was, I had him ADP ranked one this year. He was mm-hmm. my number one ranked player going into the year. So I think, I think Luca had a bad start. He kind of had the, the, the Jokic effect in that. I think Luca came a little bit out of shape. People talked about that a bit. He was looking a bit overweight. Uh, he didn't look like he was in game shape. Uh, and I think that affected him like about the first week or two of the season. But if you look at Luca's recent games, they've been incredible. Look at his last like he's definitely been better of late for sure. His his last three four games, he's been amazing. 
his game today was incredible if you look at what he put up today. Yeah. So um, I think it's just – I think he had a slow start just because he was trying to work his way back into game shape. He hadn't played in however many months really. So I think it was just kind of trying to get back into it. I think that was mostly it. But I think now he's he's fine. So yeah. I think that's mostly what it was. Yeah. Is there any other specific players that you wanted to highlight that you think have been good or been bad? Is, is there anything that you specifically noticed? Because I've noticed a lot of these particular players, but is there any player that you've noticed before we uh, head out? I, we, I think we mentioned a lot of the ones. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but we, we definitely mentioned a lot of them. Like the core ones that have been sort of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's any other crazy one. I mean, KD, K, KD's has been amazing. Oh, so. he's 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 yeah, he's not been what we expected because we were worried about the Achilles thing. I know yeah. he was on my do not draft list this year. Uh, Curry was on mine too. Uh, he went number four in our draft. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a fair value for him because he's going to be an MVP candidate because he's kind of the only guy there. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, speaking on the Warriors too. Uh, Wiggins and Ubre, it's been up and down. What has been your perspective on those guys? Because um, that's another two. It, ha- it has been up and down. Definitely Ubre. Ubre has definitely been a low point. He's been shooting terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kind of woke up a little bit yesterday. Yesterday was like his first good game in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has been up and down, mostly down. Even for his ADP, which wasn't even that high. Oh yeah, he's been no. He's actually been pretty brutal for his ADP. His ADP, yeah. his, I think his ADP was actually, I think it was too high. I think he was drafted too highly, and mm-hmm. I think he's actually. He's and ESPN was ranked bad. like eighty nine, but I think I think we drafted him around like sixty, or seventy, like or whatever. I remember Wiggins was like at eighty some, and I picked him at like sixty. Oh no, Wiggins yeah, but Uber was Uber's Uber's ADP was much higher. Uber's ADP was like somewhere like, like in the 50? 50s. Yeah, it was like in the yeah. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's, yeah, Uber has been a disappointment. Um, Wiggins has actually been pretty okay. I don't think Wiggins has been uh, too bad, but. What a crazy game yesterday. <laughs> I'm just not the biggest Wiggins fan. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see him as a very valuable fantasy player. I mean, my whole thing with, with Wiggins is like how I, how I feel like. I, one thing I did bad in my draft was like messing up on categorical scarcity, like threes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like I did a bad job on that. Um, but like, but like for me with Wiggins, it was like the small forwards in general, oh, as yeah. with the point guards, are like really brutal. There mm-hmm. were like as I started mock drafting this year, I was like surprised by how brutal it is. No, yeah, I agree. Especially, that, that, I didn't even rank Paul George that high either, so that kind of screwed me too. Because mm-hmm. he's no, been—he surprised me too this year. Yeah, that's true. I I agree with you that the small forward depth is definitely—it's pretty—it's pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, I do think Wiggins is valuable just because he's kind of a low ADP target that's pretty solid for his ADP. So I think, I think if you, if you, if I get, okay, the drafts are over, we drafted about a month ago at this point. Yeah. So it's, it's been about a while, but if you, if you were drafting and you didn't take a small forward at like that Wiggins placement, there was really no one after him. You're done. Like you were pretty much stuck with like, Auto Porter. Yeah. Auto Porter and Mikael Bridges. Like those Mikael's overperformed his ADP so far. This or yeah. yeah. Mikael's been pretty good, but I'm I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of small forward you got stuck with. If if you like after Wiggins, there really wasn't that much in terms of small forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then threes have been hard for me to find. Shea's been interesting because he's also, I think the hype kind of got to me and so many of us in the fantasy mm-hmm. community. Like his, but I feel like he's not at his peak yet. I think by midseason, he's gonna yeah. start shooting threes a little bit better. Like he's not, he's not where he is completely. Plus, this is kind of his first season as the vocal point, so you expect yeah. some growing pains there. Yeah, that's true. I think that's fair. I think Shea has not been what everyone expected to this point, but I agree with you that I think he can still get better as the season goes on. Yeah. I've been the one mentioning all these players. These are the things that I constantly think about as a fantasy <laughs> player. I just like constantly think about all of this stuff. I, I just, I don't, on my team. I, that's true. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of players that, that, I have off top of my head, but I think I honestly think you mentioned a lot of them. Yeah. Like, is there anyone on your teams that you've kind of like been happy with or unhappy with that we haven't talked about other than Levine? I think that's pretty much it, but yeah, Levine, I, I just, I, yeah, I, everyone else kind of been relatively consistent. Um, kind of what I expected. Um, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, any I'm, really surprising fantasy players. I don't. I think that's, I think I mentioned all of them pretty much because those yeah. are like all the main ones that I've been thinking. Yeah, about. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. But yeah, th- that was a pretty good list. There's, there have been some surprises, but I think in terms of kind of baseline production, it's been the season's been more or less what we expected. I think what's really kind of thrown the season off has been the whole, you know, COVID health and safety protocols things. Yeah. My, my team has been rough. Like injuries have been a bigger problem. It's not only like COVID has been what it is and it's been brutal, but, um, but more so just like the general injuries, like, uh, do you see I, I posted like what the Lakers have done too? Like oh, yeah, they've yeah, done yeah, this yeah. the past few years with LeBron and AD, but it, it's, the injury just in general has seemed to be going up just because they're they're starting so quickly and it's yeah, yeah. it yeah. adds to it. It's it's been it's been a brutal start to the year for injuries and it kind of came to a head this week pretty much. Yeah, I think that's, that that that's been the biggest kind of wrench in this season has just been the injuries. Mm-hmm. That's kind of thrown it off. But in terms of like statistical production, I don't think there've been many you know huge surprises. Mm-hmm. I think it's been kind of more or less what people expected um for the most part um but yeah it's been yeah yeah it's been an interesting season so far for sure and especially like how we expanded the rosters for me like we've expanded in a way where i like now i wish we had like four ir spots because so many guys are injured i'm but the weeks we like in your league you had four bench we had five in our league yeah like that's been actually super helpful for everybody it's made the waiver wire pretty dead but you can kind of figure it out. But yeah. the waiver wire isn't like there's not like a consistent core guy normally. Yeah, yeah. Even it's, at this point in the season, you're not going to find that. Yeah, it, it's not what it's been in previous years. But I mean, it's OK. I, I think I agree that the bigger roster sizes have, you know, they've contributed to that, but they've also helped rosters in general. So I think it's it's OK. It's kind of just a trade off, you know, yeah. it's things that leagues are more competitive. Basically, teams are more competitive mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. Um, what, do you prefer the three bench or the five bench? Because I, I still very much prefer the three bench. And yeah, I, I think I, I think I also like the three bench. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it adds more to the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have to stream. Like, I feel like streaming has actually died down this year mm-hmm. because like a guy like Maxi, who's a nice streamer, actually has like back to backs. There's more back to backs for streamers, but you don't have to stream as aggressively as years past. But yeah. even then, like in other leagues where we have three, 
I'm not streaming as much because mm-hmm. I can, you can draft a more, if you know what you're doing, you can draft a better baseline with three than with five because your issues yeah. become more apparent with five. So you mm-hmm. have to like fill your three and four guys with your issues or if you mean like your four and five guys with your issues, then, and then in, in a three bench league where your issues have to be variant in some ways to not worry about it as much. Yeah. 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 So, I, I still prefer the, the three the three man bench though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just the five man bench isn't bad, but I just I I I like just the, the smaller benches with more streaming. It's just I don't know, it's just a personal preference for mm-hmm. me. How do you approach streaming too? Because I think I think it's still hard for me to approach it some weeks. It really depends on my team. Does it's it just depend a, on your team too? Um somewhat. It just depends on for me, um, if I'm streaming and if I'm actually, if I actually have a slot that I can stream in kind of what I do is I just kind of, my general approach is just to, first, just to maximize number of players. That's just maximize the, number of games. That's what exactly it is. maximum number of games. And so that's the first step to my approach. So, you know, early part of the week when I'm streaming is I'm just kind of getting who, who can I add to my roster to add another game or two and mm-hmm. who's going to give me good production. I just need, I, I I'm not targeting categories at that point. I'm just kind of targeting games and good production. Right. Depending on how you feel about your categories, like some that you know are bad and you know, it yeah. can be filled. Yeah. Then maybe yeah. you can and do depending that. on your opponent, it could depend on your opponent as well. So that, that can also be a thing. Um, so that, that's kind of my early week streaming approach, but what's how, what happens later in the week, what I do is, um, I start kind of targeting categories. So I started looking based on my team who I have left playing the rest of the week and, uh, who my opponent has playing the rest of the week. I kind of start trying to see, you know, what are his strong categories? What are his weak ones? What are my strong ones? What are my weak ones? And with the players I have left remaining and that he has, like, what kind of, how do I think this is going to shake out? Like, do I think like these categories are secure and it's pretty much some over? you just blow them out the water and you're like, God, exactly. Damn. So some that's exactly by, by like Thursday or Friday, sometimes you'll know that, Oh, this, this category is set just based on win. like, exactly, just based on like how we're standing now and based on who I have left remaining like the next couple days or whatever, you'll be like, okay, yeah, I won this category, right? And in that case, I don't worry about that category anymore. And so in my streaming, I'm targeting those kind of like swing categories. I'm targeting the categories that will be close that I could win, right? So I mean, I'm not worrying about categories that I've for sure won or for sure lost the, at that point. This is kind of a good crash course for those of you of kind of, or trying to sort of understand fantasy basketball as so streaming, of course, is like picking a player every day, dropping them, pick someone else up in terms of punting. This is something that I was trying to tell sort of everyone in our group. Who's kind of new to fantasy basketball. Punting is like, you kind of ignore a category and I've had yeah. difficulty punting this year because I'm someone who punts free throws and field goals a lot because they're just mm-hmm. kind of very variable yeah. And then this year I'm kind of forcing myself to punt threes, even though it's a bit brutal, mm-hmm. especially when I'm trying to sort of figure out stocks and stuff. But punting basically means you ignore a category. People say to approach it during your draft. I don't do that. I approach it after I think you do as sure. well. But like, how do you, how does punting kind of play an effect for you when you sort of, as you go through the season, when you're constructing your team? So I agree with you that I don't, I don't do it in the draft. Um, a lot of people do. And I just don't, I don't prefer it. I just draft yeah, who I want. Exactly. Basically. I don't, when I'm drafting, I draft who I want and who I think is, um, 
usually like the best available player for 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 my roster construction, right? And my needs, yeah. And yeah, I'm not necessarily worrying about punting categories, right? I'm trying to make them the the most well balanced team I can, and then from there I'll figure it out, right? From there, uh, as the season goes on, then I kind of figure out what are my strong categories, what are my weak categories, and then I can figure out my punts. Um, because I think if you try to punt in the draft. I think because it's again, as I mentioned earlier, it's all speculation. So you're kind of just speculating what these players' stats are going to look like before they've even played, and you're punting based on that. Like you're giving up on a stat without, without even seeing these players play. Right, like a right? guy like Julius Randle. If you're punting assist, for example, and you said yeah. I was going to punt assist, look at his assist production. You shouldn't yeah. be punting assist. Exactly. So you you haven't seen these players play. So you're speculating that they're going to be good in these categories and bad in these categories, but you haven't seen it. So that's why I agree with you that I kind of, if I'm going to punt, I kind of let that play out as the season goes. Kind of mm-hmm. as the season's going, I see, oh, maybe I'm a weak, like you said, you're like a weak threes team, right? I, my team is severely weak on threes, but it's also yeah. just hard to find. Some of, yeah. the, some of the stuff that you end up punting, like threes or even sometimes stocks, but stocks are a little easier depending on your roster. Mm-hmm. You know, field, field goals on three free throws. I don't know what your perspective is on it, but that one is always hard to gauge because it changes week to week so dramatically. Like for me, like with punting, like I try to punt three categories, but I am kind of a nebbly punting four in most weeks, which is kind of brutal. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm still trying to sort of figure out my threes production currently because I think I mm-hmm. can figure it out as the season goes along. But like, for you with punting, like I usually just punt free throws and field goals. What are your perspective on, on those categories? Because I think those are the toughest for me to gauge. For free goal, field goal, and free throw. Yeah, I think for those. Percentage. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I agree with you that they are very variable. So I don't, I don't hate punting those just because, just because of the variability in those. I think, especially field goal. I think it's it's usually a pretty good category to punt. But if you have a guy like Giannis, like I do, or Drummond. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's gonna print it. Free throws, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's I don't know. It, it it's variable. So I I think if any punting, like I said, just kind of see how it goes. And I don't think you need to make a determination that you're punting a category like at the draft. I think just see how it plays out, and it can always change. So like I've had teams where I thought I was punting a category, and then I realized like oh like I'm actually a lot better in this category than I thought. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, I, I think that I don't think you should be too quick to punt in a, a category is what I think. Um, it will, it will have, basically your punting is going to evolve. This is something people don't talk about in fantasy circles. Like punting is going to evolve just as the rest of your team evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Punting evolves Cause it, I, I think it changes. Like you said, it, it's not just constant through the whole year potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think, you know, it's interesting with field goals and free throws because you can really, I, I find that in fantasy, you really split those categories most weeks. Yeah, yeah. Most weeks, you'll split it. So, that's like, true. even if you're punting it, you're still going to split it. That's true. So, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Paul. This is much longer than we expected, but we kind of, yeah. as we always do, we get into these really deep fantasy conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That tends um, to be the case. <laughs> But uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was it was yeah. fun. We'll, we'll definitely have you and David on with, with Brandon and Shane and the whole group. And Brandon and Shane will give their thoughts about the trade. I think we're recording on Sunday next. So okay. uh, expect that to come out on Monday. I think this will come out later tonight or tomorrow morning. But uh, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. It, it's, it's, good, it's good to have these conversations. It's, it's yeah. really fun. So thanks for appreciate coming on. You, appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
Yeah. All right. And we will see you all on Sunday. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.